Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John. Getting together on a weekly basis, starting off with the important questions. Nick, why is lip skin different than the rest of our skin? I don't get the question. So so, so they're both skin. Okay. But like, why is the lip skin different than the rest of the skin on the rest of our bodies? This is what I've been thinking about today. This is your Roman Empire? <laughs> this is your... yeah you know it's because i feel like if the rest of our skin was like the lip skin could be a better system you you know you don't you don't always hear about big you know acne issues coming up with the lip skin uh but you probably would though and it would be really weird to see acne on lips skin yeah but well yeah but then I'd be able to take care of it a lot easier because if I'm running behind in the mornings, I just take a really big giant chapstick, rub it all over my body. I'm good to go. Now I have the image of you rubbing chapstick all over your body. <laughs> Which is made of lipstick. Yes. Yes, of course. That must be, <laughs> that must be stated as well. Um, yeah. I've never thought about this before. I've never had this. This is not the... Th- the things that inha- that inhibit my brain and, and take over there are like, how is the WWE going to screw up the storytelling this weekend at their crown jewel pay-per-view? How are they going to mess up LA Knight's match? Uh, and will the New York Rangers remain as good as they are? Will the Detroit Red Wings remain as good as they are? Like, those are the types of things. Oh, I know yeah. that. <laughs> well, okay. Um <laughs> I guess kind of the jump into the show over here, not where we plan, but really quickly. I am curious right now how you feel as a Red Wings fan with the way that this season has started. I mean, it's nice, but something tells me that a team that's shooting at like 40% isn't going to be sustainable over the long run, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, that it's just, we, we all know that can't continue, right? Like the, the, League isn't going to be led in points by Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinkit forever. Like uh, you never know. We, we we know what this is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still think it's pretty early on, but I, listen, I've I've been pretty stoked for the Red Wings because I expected Buffalo to be a better team to start the season and stuff like that. And you got Detroit banking yeah. some points right now. And to be fair, you really haven't played uh, much of the competition, so to say, of the uh, league. But it doesn't matter. You got to win the you got to win the games on your schedule, and yeah. you know, banking those points through October, it's pretty good. It's it's not too bad. Yeah, the, it, and it was nice for them to beat Tampa, despite Tampa being up without their starting goalie. But then they also went up to play Boston, and it was just kind of a reminder of like, oh yeah. This yeah. is how this works. Yeah, you're still you're still maybe not there, but all right. I just wanted to get your honest your honest take because I haven't gotten to talk to you about the start that we we've avoided really in yeah. a way the Red Wings. But uh, I guess let's get into something that we cannot avoid. It's going to be the hot topic on this show, on every show, and everywhere. Um, the Ottawa Senators, man, uh, what's happening up there? Because they cannot stay out of the news. 
since the last time we recorded, it seems like every story breaking involves the senators. And as of Wednesday, the day of this recording, uh, they now, we have learned the senators are going to need to surrender one of their first round draft picks. And they're now without a GM. <laughs> and, and player receives a 41 game. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's the other thing that happened in the week. Uh, so yeah. Um, I guess let's start with the first bit of news that kind of broke today. And that was the draft pick thing where the NHL, uh, I guess all these months later decided that they wanted to punish the Ottawa senators and had an investigation going on the senators and the handling of the, uh, trade at the deadline last year that involved, uh, uh, going from the, Las Vegas Knights to the Anaheim Ducks, all due to a no-trade clause that existed in the contract when he was signed by the Senators that included 10 teams he could not be traded to. And before he was traded to Vegas, I guess the Ducks were on that list. So, yeah, that that whole whole chestnut, if you forgot that whole situation of the NHL being like, yeah, Vegas can't trade Dadenoff for Cap Dunk to the Ducks due to a no trade clause that exists from Ottawa. Yeah. And frankly, if I was acquiring a player to, to play in my league, like the first thing I would try to figure out for them is what their contract is. Uh, but what do I know? Uh, so, so, so supposedly the, the situation as it's been laid out by the NHL is that the senators did not, inform the golden knights of the no trade clause or the uh submitted list of no trade teams uh one, one would assume that if dadnoff had was in ottawa and he put anaheim on his list uh this could be a tax thing that he was trying to avoid or anything like that but regardless of why he had the team on his list that's what he negotiated for that's his right to have there and it was just a really embarrassing debacle uh for the league as a whole to say hey this guy's traded uh wait a second no he's not uh so apparently the golden knights have been really upset about that have really been calling for some kind of punishment to happen as a result of that so the nhl of course takes its sweet time doing the investigation uh and michael anlauer uh the now owner of the ottawa senator seems pretty ticked off that he was not aware of this or the other investigation that we're going to mention here in a minute uh you know if there's a lot of money that gets tied up in a lot of things like that and it's uh when there's a billion dollar sale on the line like that i guess it would make sense that the nhl maybe wouldn't be as forthcoming about the investigations with that but that's just kind of one side of the story as well just because the owner says they didn't talk about it doesn't mean they didn't if that makes sense yeah it could have been oh you know just a, an impassing thing of like oh there's some things from the previous you know ownership that we're still looking at so, you know it could have been something as stupid as that uh, you know very simple legal jargon we covered our bait we covered our bases even though we never really said anything but even taking you know and Lauer at at his word that it was never brought up. It would make sense. It would never be brought up. Like the league wants to finish this deal with billions of dollars on the line. 
a lot of a lot riding on it and they're they don't really i don't i don't even think that there would be like a legal precedent of they need to disclose that something's being investigated involving uh players gambling involving you know a, a trade that happened that didn't happen i mean it's been 18 months uh honestly when you really think about it from like all of this happening and the contract, the trades, all of that. And the senators get punished, but you're right. I guess behind the scenes, it seems like Vegas and Anaheim were pretty pissed. And that's why it ends up falling on the senators more so than them, because they were kind of like, well, we didn't know this. We didn't know what was happening. Uh, So yeah, it, it seems like as, as you said, it didn't look good. The senators were the prime, you know, Hey, you, didn't tell Vegas about this. You should have. But I also find it really weird that they're being punished this hard over this. Be and the NHL statement kind of being so very like brief and kind of no further comment. Like there are there are legitimate questions to this. Like there are legitimate why now? Why a first round pick? Why isn't it something else? You know, like because I did see somebody say this online and they're right. This is a harder find than what Chicago got. That's a really, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the times that's a false equivalency for a thing. We're comparing two situations that don't really have anything to do with each yeah. other, but it is worth mentioning the difference. Yeah. There. You, you gave um, less for sexual assault than you did for a team that made you look dumb on the trade deadline. Yeah, like actual criminal yeah. issues. Um, yeah, I hadn't even considered that. I didn't either, thing. and I just I saw mean, somebody. I, I forgot who it was. Somebody just threw it out on on X, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's." Because again, I never would have sat there to be like, "Well, let me compare this to you know other more serious situations." Yeah, but it was a good, but yeah, it was a they, great they, point because I was like, "Yeah, it's." We're always going to look at the Chicago punishment and when this is, oh God, yeah. I don't don't like making those comparisons, but it's very easy to look at it. Yeah. And now now the thing to keep in mind is that Evgeny Dadnoff, uh, he is 34 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is signed for $2.25 million for this year and next year, uh, currently with the Dallas Stars, which accounts for 2.7% of their cap hit. Uh, And he has a modified no trade clause, which includes a Mm 10-team no trade Mm -hmm. list. Nick, you know how I figured all of this out? Did you do a Google search? Uh, I did about two seconds worth of clicking on cap friendly and was able to pull this information up. So if this information's accessible to me, I don't understand why the Golden Knights, when trading for Dadnoff, did not have that information. Granted, the if there's genuine fault to be had, there's it's probably realistic for the Knights to kind of say, hey, the Senators didn't tell us about the no t- trade list already submitted and things like that. And they did end up just trading him to uh, Montreal anyway at some mm-hmm. point there. But it's just very much, it, it's, you wonder why the investigation took so long. You wonder why the Gold Knights didn't just have this information readily available. And it, and like you said, they're not, telling us a ton 
on the NHL side of things, which hopefully you, you would think at least behind closed doors, other general managers kind of like, hey, can you tell us what happened so I can make sure I'm not making a mistake that cost me my job in a first round pick? Yeah. Yeah. I- now, I was going to say the the one thing that really came to mind to this right away, I didn't necessarily think Chicago immediately when this brought up uh, what came up for me is, do you remember the Ilya Kovalchuk contract? Oh, yeah, and how the Devils got punished over that contract. Thanks, Lou Lamorello. Oh, but those crazy contracts in the league. Yeah, the, the the Ilya Kovalchuk one was real was uh, determined to be cap circumvention, but let's mm-hmm. not mention Henrik Zetterberg or Marian Hosa or some of these other deals. Uh, yeah, so when the league got upset about that, they fined the Devils $3 million. <clears throat> the Devils lost a first-round pick and a third-round mm-hmm. pick. A year or two down the line, uh, a new owner takes over and the NHL uh, decides to refund half of that $3 million fine. And rather than completely losing uh, their first round pick, the Devils were allowed to pick 30th that year instead of forfeiting a pick altogether. So from where I'm sitting, it seems like there's a little bit of a precedent to be set for well, new owners here doesn't necessarily have the, you know, the the people that were responsible for this aren't really around anymore. Uh, why don't we go ahead and, you know, let this off a little bit lighter? So there could be a case to be made for that now that Pierre Dorian's not there anymore, that the NHL may kind of go back and reduce this or change this somehow. Um. But yeah, I, I don't I don't see how punishing the team as a whole rather than, you know, something that should have just been handled through the general manager's office is going to make a ton of sense for this. But again, what do yeah, I Yeah, and, and I'm with you in, you know, it's not unprecedented for teams to lose their first round picks. You brought up the Devil's Wood. I think Arizona a couple years back losing their first mm-hmm. and, there's, and a second round pick as well. Uh, so it's it's happened... But I do find it weird because a few things you mentioned, I find it weird that it's so accessible for us to know about the modified no trade clause that how is it possible that Ottawa is the only one that screwed up here and Vegas is not, you know, like, I think like, I want to know what the NHL found that totally clears Vegas because since it happened, and I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to our old episodes, I am pretty positive that we talked about that of how did Vegas not know because we all knew yeah like it, you are paid to know that and we are just like you and I are not paid for this but some of the bigger ones that do make a little bit of something off of it not much like the sports writers knew about it like how did all, everybody else know yeah. but you so I I want to know what they found that it's like yeah we can really pinpoint this on Ottawa then to give them that type of fine but you bring up a good point, and we should talk about the next part of it. The fallout to this, uh, GM Pierre Dorian has parted ways mutually, quote-unquote, hours mm-hmm. after the news broke. Uh, the Senators held the afternoon press conference at Canadian Tire Center with the owner there. 
uh, and the president of hockey operations, Steve Stios. He said the club was given a 73-page report detailing the uh, Dadanoff situation last week in which they stated that the Senators were negligent in nature, embarrassed the league, and pissed off two other clubs. He told reporters that he actually had Dorian uh, dinner with him on Tuesday in Ottawa, informed him it was best to part ways given the severity of the penalty. Uh, That's on top of the other issues we talked about. But yeah, so with, with Dorian gone... It, it, do you really see? I, I don't know if the league will go back on it this, the way that they did with the Devils. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that Devils team compared to this Senators team, because the Senators team, while they haven't made the playoffs since uh, Dorian's first year as GM, they've got a core there. There's a few, like, they've got a good yeah. core there that they're on the cusp where that Devils team back then, let's be real, they were. They weren't good. <laughs> there wasn't. They need. They <laughs> needed. They really desperately needed their picks. Where Ottawa, and to be fair as well, I, I think if they do have to give up a pick, I think this year would be the smartest year to do it because they hold. I believe it is your the Red Wings' uh, number one draft pick as well this year. Yes, as part of the uh, Alex DeBrincat. Yeah. So, so you want to? I would give it up the year that I know I have one. Uh, and there is a good chance the yeah. Red Wings are actually going to end up in a better draft spot than you. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but in, in any time an organization loses its first round draft Still. pick, it'll set them back years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know when you're not even having a chance to to have that in play at the deadline either to potentially you know move that with somebody to bring in more pieces to make a playoff push, that's going to hamper them there as well. So uh, yeah, Michael Anlauer sounds like he's, you know, clearly not happy about it, but says, well, you know, this happened before I got here, but we have to respect the process and all this sort of stuff. Um, But, but did you see the tweet of who is, uh, as you mentioned, Steve Steos is currently, acting gm but did you but did you see who they uh potentially have in play you had, to be their you GM? sent it to me but i didn't really get a chance to look at it peter sorelli <laughs> which is just insane to Does me he even held a position uh, in the front office uh yeah he was uh he was the gm in montreal for a while he was the gm in Boston when they traded Tyler Sagan for barely anything. Uh, Yeah, he has been behind some real questionable deals. Uh, So it would would fill my heart with joy for that to happen. Uh, I think he's just well-liked by a lot of the uh, league in general, especially the in the NHL office. So when a new owner is coming in, they say, oh, and if you need a general manager, by the way, you should talk to this guy. So I don't know if it'll actually happen, but a big part of me really wants it. <laughs> well, uh, it's going to I think it's going to be a coveted uh, position, actually, even with the situation. I think that that's. I don't know. There's there's something about that Senators team that I think could be appealing to uh, a GM out there just because they are kind of a, again, a good core was built there uh, after, you know, so much dismantling over 
really a lot of Dorian's career as the GM there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll 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 like, we'll keep an eye on the GM situation. It's going to be fun to see how that pans out. Uh, but also, we uh, learned one other thing over the past week uh, involving the Ottawa Senators, and that's forward Shane Pinto being suspended for 41 games by the NHL for activities related to sports wagering, uh, the league's first gambling-related suspension in the era of online betting. I know I messaged you and I joked that his suspension was powered by FanDuel, where right now you can buy for, <laughs> bet $5 on uh, the over-under of how many games get reduced from his suspension and get an extra hundred dollar bonus bet, you know, because seriously, like the breakdown of this has me so confused. And once again, the NHL was very weird about the way that they presented it. So uh, Pinto is still unsigned uh, restricted free agent. He hasn't played all season Uh, 22 skating on his own. It's kind of became a, Pretty much, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much became like a mainstay in the Senators lineup when he uh, made it when he was on the team. But Pinto did apologize for his actions. He's not appealing, so he's accepted the 41 games. Uh, and the suspension being retroactive uh, means that if he signs, he won't be able to play until January 21st in Philly, their 42nd game. And and there was a lot of questions going into the year about why it was taking so long to get Shane Pinto signed and things of that nature. And it seems as though that was the answer we were looking for with it. Uh, the so so the reason he was suspended is still not still a mystery. Totally. I the way I understand it, having listened to Elliot Friedman explain it, and I haven't found this in writing in other places, so I can't one hundred thousand percent say uh, that this is the situation. Um, but you know Franklin Square, yeah, there on Long Island, mm-hmm. Nassau County, yeah, is where Shane Pinto is from. Uh. When you have one of these gambling accounts, as you know, your physical location at the time placing the wager is very significant because some states allow it, some states don't. There's different tax things that are brought into this, all this kind of stuff. So one of the things you're specifically not supposed to do is have someone else logging into your account to make a bet. To which, if you're home uh, chilling on Long Island for the summer, that's probably not as big a deal. Uh, but when they start to see betting activity from New York while you're supposed to be in training camp mm-hmm. in Ottawa, that is going to be a red flag for any gambling organization. Uh, why this involves the NHL is a little bit more abstract in the sense that uh, obviously for anyone to to participate in the league, to watch the league, to pay to see it live, buy tickets, jerseys, etc. You have to know that all the competition's on the up and up, Mm -hmm. right? Which is why there were such strict laws against gambling, asterisk talking about it. Uh, And, you know, the fact that at the time it was mostly a crime in places. 
with the league starting to partner up with gambling sites and stuff, it almost takes it to a whole other level that just there doesn't even need to actually be any impropriety there. Just the appearance of impropriety mm-hmm. is going to cause a ton of issues throughout any gambling organization. So when something like this comes out that says, Hey, there's a player that's doing some gambling, that's breaking the rules of a gambling site for it. I understand why the NHL would come out and have a really, really harsh punishment for this. Uh, But I just wish they would have, would have, gone on about it a little bit more so that we can really understand exactly what happened. Because similar to what I just said with other general managers referring to uh, the Ottawa Senators situation, I'm sure there's plenty of other players in the NHL that are saying, wait, I like gambling too. Is that an issue? Is there something I'm doing wrong that I would like to avoid doing? That sort of thing. But the the only uh, the only things that they've confirmed up to this point is that there was, quote, unusual activity on his account and that they confirmed he was not uh, betting on NHL games. Yeah, which is interesting considering uh, not betting on NHL games. What does it matter then? Like, you know, I don't know. It's very, yeah. it's, it is very confusing. I think you did a really good job of breaking it down because that's kind of, I'm confused still, but that's the point. I haven't gotten any clarity and the NHL hasn't been able to really, like, they've been hush hush about both of these things. Like they pretty much came out and were like, this is the thing. Accept it. We're done talking. No further comment, but we have questions. No further comment, but this doesn't make it. No further comment. Like, and it's really frustrating because I don't get what he's suspended for because nothing in their gambling bylaws or whatnot says that you can't gamble. Right. But is there something in the NHL rule book of like, oh, okay, I can't have somebody make a bet for me while I'm on the road? Because obviously if he was gambling on hockey, I would understand. That's like the Pete Rose thing with baseball of like, was you know we yeah. can't really pinpoint and he was betting on baseball as well while managing baseball so upper hand so obviously we don't want somebody playing the sport betting on the sport but that doesn't mean that that guy can't you know be like oh crap i forgot to you know put in a parlay for thursday night football you know get that yeah. in for me like where where do we draw the line and since we are at a time now where they literally are promoting it in the middle of games where they have the FanDuel people coming on. You know, I see it on Ranger games all the time. And MSG, here's the FanDuel update. You know, go to FanDuel right now and place a $5 wager to get $100 for free as the over-under has been now changed to like 6.5. Okay, okay. Like, you're you're encouraging me in the middle of the game to go create an account and bet. (laughs) There were were people that were showing pictures of Shane Pinto with a bet 99. So some Canadian gambling outfit. They're saying, Oh, this guy with the gambling ad on the side of his helmet, he was gambling. Uh, But yeah, there's, I don't know the specific, uh, the, the, all the specific rules about gambling for the players. And I, at this point I would, I think it stands to reason that a lot of the players don't necessarily understand it either. 
Uh, but the CBA has, you know, a real big catch-all clause related to off-ice uh, behavior or uh, a player that's guilty of, quote, detriment, uh, conduct that's detrimental to the welfare of the league or the game of hockey. So I'm sure in a roundabout way, if you did something that genuinely threatens the NHL's gambling revenue, they would consider that detrimental. Um, and apparently this is the agreement they came to with the players union as well. You would expect the union to push back on this, yeah. but the, the, the consensus seems to be that they were, they really wanted a full year suspension. And I think the, the union came in and during discussions with us said, look, knock it down to half a year and we won't appeal it sort of thing. So I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Weird situation. Yeah. I, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I, I wish we had more. Like, I just, I don't know why it's so much for the league to be like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to really tell you what's going on. We're not really going to explain it. So yeah, there, there must, there, because for this to be, and for them to want a year, there's got to be something that really like, there's got to be something really bad. Otherwise this is an overreaction, but, but it is, I don't know. It's very hypocritical to me when you legitimately have teamed up with, Bet MGM, FanDuel, and all of them, and now you're you're pissed. Somebody was betting probably on on football or horse racing or something. Yeah, and and, and like I said, if someone violated rules related to gambling, then it's like, well, then the place probably shuts down their account and you know gives them a very sternly worded email, and that's the yeah. end of it. So, so I feel like the NHL mostly just wants to send a message here. To kind of be like, hey, we're serious. If you guys are going to gamble, you need to make sure you're following the rules for it and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But, uh, but you know, we saw something similar in the NFL where uh, people were pissed because players like place bets in a team facility on something not related to football or something like that. I don't totally know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th there's. It seems as though this is probably an issue that's not going to go away anytime soon as gambling becomes more and more present, uh, of more and more of a presence throughout the world. Oh, I just, as we were talking about this, it reminded me that I needed to go make uh, a fan duel bet. So I got, <laughs> I got my bets in uh, for, I got my parlay in for basketball today. I got my uh, World Series parlay in, and I am staying away from hockey for the night just because I don't. You don't want to get suspended. Yeah, exactly. I well, I'm probably about to get suspended because I'm betting on everything but hockey. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess the next bit of news we got to get into is some really sad news. Uh, Adam Johnson, former NHL forward for the Penguins, died after a freak accident in a match in Britain's top hockey league with the Nottingham Panthers. Uh, as the club confirmed the passing, it was the Challenge Cup game against the Sheffield Steelers that got stopped in the second period after an on-ice collision in which Johnson appeared to suffer a serious cut to the neck from a skate. Fans were later asked to leave the stadium in Sheffield due to what the club uh, X, formerly Twitter account, called a major medical emergency. Um, a horrible situation, and now the conversation has become neck guards in hockey and in the NHL. And I know that I saw the Pittsburgh Penguins, his former team are exploring options for players to wear neck protection gear, at least for practices as soon as possible. Uh, Coach Sullivan announced that on Tuesday. 
Sullivan also said he and Penguin general manager Kyle Dubas had discussed possibilities with players and equipment staff as to what could work to provide better protection for players' necks. Uh, obviously, this is not a mandate by the NHL for neck protection gear for players, uh, but the Penguins minor league affiliates in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Wheeling for their ECHL are mandated to wear protective neck equipment. Uh, I saw several Penguins players, so they're open to experimenting with neck gear as soon as possible. And uh, I don't know if you saw this as well, but uh, a Penguin source said that the Capitals and Bruins also pursuing pursuing the implementation of neck protection and the hurricanes, according to a team source, will make neck protection available to players to try using in practice. Um, so yeah, and 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 also the NHL said that uh, sources from the NHL said other teams are considering putting this in place with their AHL affiliates. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a horrible, horrible mm-hmm. thing to see happen for somebody to die on the ice uh, when something like this happens. And it has really kicked off a debate over whether or not the league as a whole is doing enough to prevent these kind of things. Uh, yeah, there's I know it, it sucks because you don't want to just like gloss over something like this, like somebody lost their life, somebody lost their child somebody lost a teammate a brother one, yeah yeah and, and so that's a pretty significant uh issue and from the very base of it if there was equipment that you could take to or add in to uh to prevent something like this you would really want the league that you love watching to end up doing it uh, the thing about neck protection is they've. This is something that's already been available, and so when it's talking about oh, like we're making you know this available for the players, it's like yeah, they've always had that. The issue is that you know it's mandated throughout, or a lot of players use it through junior hockey yeah. and stuff, and you get to training camp, and some of the more senior guys start giving you shit for it. And so then, you know, stuff like that, you just stop using after a while. So from that from that point, you know, I get it. I don't think this is it's a there's an old Jerry Seinfeld bit about helmet laws saying that why do you need to protect a brain that is functioning so poorly? It's not putting equipment to protect the head that it's in, Uh, which kind of used to be like my thoughts about this. But I. I feel like this is also being portrayed as something that you could just wave your hands and, you know, have net guards on everyone tomorrow. And that just isn't the realistic situation that this would come about from. Like the biggest thing is it has to be collectively bargained like anything else with a union workforce and knowing how acrimonious the relationship is between the league and the players union uh, something like this just doesn't come about for free. You know, it's a, they, there is a long history of anytime something's brought up with the players association or the league, everything becomes a negotiation. So, so realistically, the NHL wanted to mandate, uh, neck protection, that would be a pretty uphill battle. Even doing something like, uh, helmet visors took, years and years of you know getting lower leagues to mandate it getting 
other, you know, players to wear it and go along with it. And eventually just got to the point where they grandfathered. Yeah. So any, anyone not currently wearing it doesn't have to wear it, but uh, going forward, uh, you know, any new players coming in have to wear it, which is, which if they are going to mandate something like that is probably how it's going to happen. That's what I figured is the path forward. Cause as you mentioned, the collective bargaining aspect of it, it's going to be viewed as even if it's there to protect the players, they will use it as a way to be like, Oh, you want us to have this? Well, you need to give us a concession if we're going to give you something. So 100% will be used, even though it's, actually one of the times where the owners are like, we're trying to protect you, but they'll see it as, Oh, well now you want to protect us and you want us to have this. Well, what are you going to give us in return as well? Uh, give us more share, give us more that, you know, like we want this, we want that. Uh, you're right. It always comes down to bargaining and that's why it took forever with the helmets, with the visors and so on. So I think you're right. And I forgot who I saw it was. I think one of the, uh, I think it was not the OHL, but one of the one of the junior leagues. I think started that already made it mandatory. The WHL. there we go. I I knew it was one of those HLs, uh, <laughs> but yeah, You're I was close. close enough. Again, I got an HL right, uh, <laughs> but you know that's the way it's going to come about. Is you need to essentially train the next generation of players. Because, yeah, there are going to be players that, you know, might just start wearing it in the games. And that's great. They're going to make the decision to do it. They're going to want to protect themselves. Um, But I also find myself in a weird spot with this because I don't want to have the overreaction to, oh, this was a tragedy. But the amount of times that it truly happens, like, what are the odds of it? Truly, what are the odds? Like, I know, like... I can answer oh, that. Do you, for you actually do have the odds. Yeah. I was... I, okay. I've I've been looking over my shoulders here for a second, trying to find something on my bookshelf. Give me two. Yeah, seconds. yeah, yeah. That's fine. You do that, and and I'll just keep kind of throwing out that it. it I don't want to have that quick overreaction of, but I get why we're having it. Uh, like, I mean, I find myself I'm in a weird spot right now. I've backed myself into a corner because I'm saying we shouldn't have an overreaction, but I totally understand the overreaction. We had the worst case scenario of that it. moment. Uh, so what are the odds of the worst case scenario of that moment? Uh, so how many games do you think have happened in the history of the NHL? Oh my gosh. I... 122,888. How many incidents of necks being cut by skates have happened? I can only think, including this one, three. Okay, then I made one up because because th- because this happened in an in an English league. This didn't happen in the NHL, so that's why I'm saying two. Okay. Uh, the more recent of which, Richard Zed—that's the one I remember. Uh, yeah, big scary incident. Uh, you know, he ended up being okay after it happened. Uh, it is worth mentioning that when he came back from it. He wore a neck guard for a little while, and then he stopped wearing it and essentially said, well, what are the odds that it's going to happen to me twice, which is fair. Uh, The other person that it rather famously happened to, and this is what I was trying to grab for you here, uh, Clint Malarchuk, 
formerly of the uh, Buffalo Sabres and a number of other teams. Uh, no one else can see this except for Nick, but I'm holding up his book right now. I like to do that every now and again, just to show how much of a brain disease I have when it comes to the sport. Uh, rather famously, uh, Clint Malarchuk got cut and started bleeding out all over the ice immediately. And uh, rather famously came back after like 10 days or two weeks or something like that. Uh, the person that cut him, his name was Steve Tuttle of the Blues. And he uh, carried around a ton of guilt for this happening as well. So with all of this going on for Adam Johnson, uh, we got to think a little bit about Matt Petegrave for the Sheffield Steelers, who is the person that cut Adam Johnson accidentally. Uh, just no matter how many times you tell somebody like that, it was a freak accident. It could happen to anybody like he, he's going to have to live with that for the rest mm. of his life. And that sucks. Um, but yeah, Clint Malarchuk ended up going, having PTSD from the incident. Uh, re, what he ends up doing after he got cut was he stood up, he put a towel on his neck and just skated off the ice as quick as he could. And when he was asked about it later, he said he didn't want his parents to watch him die on mm. the ice. And fortunately, one of their uh, trainers was a combat medic in Vietnam and was able to stabilize him until he got him to the hospital and saved his life with it. But just huge, huge fallout from it. Uh, that's a life-changing yeah. incident that would happen from something like that. Yeah. Uh, so when so the argument for adding the neck guard in is it's not, you know, as I glibly referred to with the helmet law joke, it's not just protecting that person. You're protecting the player with uh, that, you know, would have accidentally cut him. You're protecting everyone related to both mm -hmm. of these players. You're protecting, uh, you know, the teammates, uh, the pe Imagine being in the attendance for that no. game and having to watch someone pass away. That, no. That's yeah. And keep in mind when uh, Brittany Cecil got hit by that puck in Columbus and passed away as a result, the nets went up the next yeah. day. Yeah. So, so when the NHL is capable of doing it, they they can move really quickly on something like this. They can, they can. Well, I, 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 I think the Nets thing was also that's that's a lot different because I feel like that was owners and league. That's not you know player related stuff. So, yeah, you know, because I kind of vaguely remember like I don't want to say Ronit just to say Ronit, but I kind of remember guys like that being like, what, what, you know. Why are the Nets going up? People are going to be blocked. I remember, I mean, I do remember people were pissed when the Nets went up. I can't remember if players were, but I remember people were. But now it's just second nature. Now when I go to a game, I'm just kind of, yeah. like, you know, it, and it happened in baseball. They put Nets up in baseball now for the line drives because especially nowadays with phones, idiots are just looking down during play and get drilled all the time with bats and balls. So, yeah, I, 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 I just – I saw – go on. I was going to say, I saw a kid get drilled in the head at a Michigan OSU college hockey game. Mm. Like, they, they have the nets and everything like that. It just went into the part of the crowd without it. Like, it can happen. Yeah. But at a certain and, – and I think you are prudent to point out that, you know, whatever happens with it, there's no way you're going to get the risk down to zero yeah. when playing with – 
with you know knives on your feet yeah. like this uh and and get the, the the throat's not the only uh you know vulnerable part of the body for something like this a couple of years back evander kane had the wrist situation uh taylor hall somebody stepped on his face and left a really nasty scar there so there is there is dangerous stuff related to uh you know skates and just yeah. freak accidents on the ice all the time yeah hockey is i mean every sport is dangerous and you never want to see a death on the ice and i, I do think that's going to bring about a new edition of equipment, but I think I, I like, I just think it's going to be grandfathered in. I, I honestly, I'll be shocked if it's not, but I, I don't know, man, the NHL could be really stubborn. So I could even see them being like, well, we tried and the players, you know, said they wanted more. So we're just moving on and kind of never do anything yeah. despite the fact and just leave it as a, Oh, if you want to use them, go for it. If you don't, huh? you know, the risk. Yeah. And and there were a lot of touching tributes yeah. to Adam Johnson and his family from multiple teams that he played for, and that was always nice to see and stuff like that. But the other thing I would challenge people to keep in mind for a lot of this is how quickly you can get equipment like this. Yeah. Because, if, because when we're talking about NHL players, that's one thing. If you're talking about your kid potentially – uh, that's a lot easier to mandate in your household, oh, yeah. you know? Uh, so, so, but the issue with that, the issue with that is the way a lot of like purchasing of hockey equipment goes, the manufacturers get all of their stuff out in August. Uh, a lot of, you know, families that are going shopping for new gear and stuff like that, get that in September. And, you know, it's pretty sparse throughout the rest of the year as unless people need replacement pieces or stuff like that so apparently in canada there's been a huge huge influx of people trying to get neck protection over the last four or five days mm. uh and stores are just flat sold out everywhere mm. and so to get this equipment manufactured and into the right hands is not going to be an overnight process either so I feel like people need to understand going into it, that's going to be difficult right now as well. Yeah. So so I, I feel like we need to use caution if I pull up this, I think it's at intermission. No, it's not. Uh, if pulling up this uh, Flyers-Sabers game, I'm curious to see how many people have neck protection. Oh, uh, it doesn't look like many. Uh, yeah. So. And, and I'll say I'll say this as well. Um so I know my this experience is just nothing compared to it. But when I was a kid and I was playing hockey uh, and I was playing goalie, I ended up getting uh, one one day where I was covering the puck, you know, I was getting the stick checks, the stick checks, and a stick ended up going up under my helmet and caught me in the throat. I wore a neck protector one game and then was like, eh, I'm done. Because I, I didn't find it comfortable. I found it annoying. And I was like, eh, whatever, you know, what are the chances I'm going to end up getting slashed with a, you know, an mm -hmm. accidental slash to the throat again? Like, it was just a weird thing. And it never happened again. But it 100% could have. It happened once, so it could happen again. So, and it could happen yeah. to somebody else. And it, and it probably has happened to other goalies. And it's probably happened worse than it did with me that day. Because it was just the typical, you know, sticks trying to draw, you know, jog the puck out of my glove and then, Somebody just went right into my throat and 
you know, did the full blown yeah. sell as well, where every piece of equipment went flying in the air. <laughs> oh, naturally, yeah. as you should, yeah. as, as any should. hockey player would, uh, would, would do. Look at my stick; it just flew twenty feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the the other <laughs> counterpoint that does bring up something that I thought about a lot as well is that when picking out my hockey equipment, uh, despite like everyone in the league using a cage, uh, I had a visor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly due to being dumb and not knowing that everyone in the league would use a full cage. Uh, but like a lot of it would just kind of go back to, it's like, well, you know, this is good enough for Pavel Datsuk, so it's going to be good enough for me. And that's like me as an adult, an idiot adult, but an adult nonetheless. Okay. Uh, so, so, so when, if you start to see NHLers wearing neck protection and stuff like that, I think that's going to make it a whole lot easier for kids to adapt as well and and where you know nhl adults can probably make their own decisions it's like yeah and nobody likes to be told what they have to do or what they have to wear but there's this isn't a decision that takes place in a vacuum it's a a mandated decision by the nhl will have a cascading effect going down to lower leagues as well yeah yeah and uh kind of piggyback off of your equipment purchase um for years uh when I got older and I finally could get rid of the shield, I went full blown, no face mask. Uh, and then for whatever reason, a few years later, I just decided to start doing the half shield. Uh, I used to, I hated the half shield the first time I did it. And then I was like, you know what? I might as well at least protect some of my eyes, (laughs) you know, like, so I did. And that was before the NHL started making that kind of a thing where it was like, everybody was going to have at least a half shield. Uh, Or actually it was right around that time, I think where they started. And I was like, you know what? I should, they're right. I should. So. uh, Yeah. Like part of my shield cracked once and I played a game without it. And I just remember thinking the whole time, man, this is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) See, uh, Well, once you're, once you're used to it, it's like, Oh, this is actually terrifying to do with. Yeah. Yeah. It it does feel that way. And now that I'm starting to look to play hockey again, I'm starting to, piece together equipment and I'm like better make sure I have a half shield so uh all right uh let's move on to the other bit of news that I guess got announced today out of nowhere uh stadium series tickets are on sale yay yeah uh so I believe they're gonna is it MetLife Stadium they're gonna be doing it at you know the yeah you know the New York parks better than yes it's MetLife Stadium where the uh, Jets and Giants play football. So this is across the Hudson uh, over in Jazzy. But the Devils and Flyers are going to play there. And then the, and I believe that's the 40th outdoor game. And then the Rangers and Islanders will play the 41st ever outdoor game uh, for NHL history. It uh, back-to-back stadium series, but the way that the NHL went about kind of saying it was a, I, I had no idea that this was even going on sale today that this was going to be a thing today until i was just at work on x and all of a sudden i just saw you know two hours ago the new york rangers tweeted and i'm like oh what did they tweet and it's like buy your tickets to the stadium series now the stage is set and i was like huh the hell when did this like no there was no hype to this yeah, it's it's something that got announced a while back, but I don't think we've 
done a whole lot to think about it since then. So good on the NHL to uh, remind us. Yeah. Uh, and, and they got a place of where the ice is going to be for it and stuff like that. So there's a lot of pictures online and things like that. Um, do you kind of wish it was going to be Rangers Devils for that game instead of Islanders? Uh, yes, I I get what they were doing, but I think that I think out of the fact that the Rangers under Dolan's little MSG agreement, the Rangers will never be play a home game outside of Madison Square Garden. I don't mm-hmm. see why you would make the Islanders the home team and take away a home game from them and stick it in Jersey. Uh, I get that you're going for the rivalry of the Rangers and the Islanders, but coming off of last year's playoffs, I, th- I feel like that like Rangers devils in and of itself as well. Like any of those Hudson games, those Hudson river games uh, are, are, are going to draw eyes. And I think coming off of the playoffs, you had, you had the storyline to lead into that. Uh, if it was the Rangers and the devils, but even if it was just the flyers and the devils, I would be cool. I don't. I don't see the point of having the second game. I. I mean, if you go through all the effort of setting it up and everything like that, you might as well cash in twice if you can. Well, then why not do back-to-back uh, Devils Flyers? Like, because because again, like I don't see the point of taking the New York teams and sticking them in Jersey. I. I. I think. Well, and you know the the New York City metropolitan area's geography remains a mystery. <laughs> uh, but 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 the, you're you're right. The Rangers do have that whole thing where they cannot have something considered a home game outside of anything except MSG. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you try to set up a second game as Islanders Flyers, it probably wouldn't be as big of a draw. So I, I kind of get why they split it up this way. Hopefully it ends up being a big, cool event. Uh, and, you know, if you're going to go through all the effort to set up the rink in a stadium, like I said, you get a chance to cash in twice, you might as well do it. Yeah. But Yeah. And you know that Rangers-Islanders one will cash in. I'm curious about the Flyers-Devils one. Uh, you know, I know the Flyers are like first place right now, uh, one of the top teams in the Metro, but... Uh, we all know that's not going to last. So by the time we get there, like, how are Flyers fans going to be feeling in, in come February or whatever, January, whatever the hell it is? It's the other thing. Yeah, I don't even know when cause... the game actually is. It just kind of was like, it's like we got past the Heritage Classic and then they were like, remember we got this other one? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know when the other one is too. And I have, like, articles about it in front yeah. of me. <laughs> so I'm so confused. That... That could be an issue. Uh, But yeah, they've uh, talked about uh, February 17th. That's when it's happening. Uh, And then the next day, uh, yeah, February 17th will be Flyers Devils, which if the team's halfway decent, I could see them really showing up for, you know, there's the, they don't necessarily love each other all that much. Uh, and then uh, the next day in the 18th, less than 24 hours later, they're going to do uh, Rangers Islanders. It's just, it's such a gamble with the weather for things like this, that you're, you're almost kind of tempting fate doing it twice. But I think by having it at 3 PM, that gives you a lot of leeway to say, if you need to push it later into the day, you can do that. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see, but get ready for the stadium series. 
I believe we have a winter classic though to get through first. Uh, Seattle, that's right. Yeah, with Vegas. Yeah, yeah. which was different from the Heritage Classic that happened last week with the uh, with the Oilers and the Flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I wish they had one of those H. No, yeah. but the, I, I I wish they had uh, one of those HBO style shows <laughs> leading into it because like McDavid was out. Both teams are getting booed off the ice by their f- home fans, like going into the game. Like that was that ended up turning out to be a game that was going to be a really big deal for both teams. And the Flames, having lost it, seemed to have continued to implode. Uh, did you see their uh, GM announce that like all like contract extension talks are on hold now? <laughs> wow, they should have been on hold to begin with because the Flames were never going to be that good this year. Uh, I think Greg Wyshynski, uh described the lineup as a galaxy looking for its star. Yeah, and 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 I feel like that's a really good way to describe it because there's a lot of good pieces to that team, but they just don't have that hot, super high end talent anymore. Having lost, you know, Kachuk and Goudreau, and not really replaced them with anything outside of uh, you know your standard uh, support players like huberto yeah yeah well you know what oh i guess um yeah all right uh the idea i had i'm gonna save it for a second uh but yeah that was i didn't watch any of the heritage classic either but i did see the uh the 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 bad news that was uh calgary afterwards after losing that one that things are just they're gonna get much worse before they get any better this year um All right, some other notes I've got from around the league. Uh, Actually, this is the thing that I want to start with that you just popped into my head. Uh, November 1st, Patrick Kane can talk to teams. He couldn't talk to teams Well, he could prior, but uh, he had set the November 1st as being the, uh, I'll I'll start looking at options, so to say. So now that we're here into November, here we go. The Patrick Kane watch can really take effect now. Uh, not to totally throw water on that, but <laughs> yeah. oh, <no>. uh, <laughs> uh, related to other recent news, we uh, it was announced today Nicholas Backstrom is going to be stepping away from the team for health reasons. That's actually okay. why I brought this uh, up as well <laughs> had the same surgery yep. as Patrick. King. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Oh boy. Yeah. This is, uh, obviously different people, different players, different bodies, totally potentially different outcomes, but, mm. uh, it's gotta make you a little bit nervous mm. if you're potentially signing Patrick. King. Mm, yeah. Patrick Kane is uh 35 as well. Right. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, both thirty-five. Uh, but yeah, that's that's why I brought up Patrick Kane. I, I figured we could talk Backstrom with this because Backstrom had the resurfacing, uh, the hip resurfacing surgery in June of twenty twenty-two. As you mentioned, he announced that he's stepping away due to health issues. Now, he did say he, it was weird when he stepped away. He said that he was like a hundred percent. He's done everything he can in the summer. Uh, he worked really hard uh, and. He wanted to get back to playing hockey. Uh, that was back in the camp, but it appears everything mm, not so good with him. 
I'm curious now because we 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 had talked about it when Backstrom, you know, first came was getting the surgery and stuff uh and came back that what are we going to get? Is this going to be the same guy and he has not looked like the same guy since he's come back. Uh and you could look at him and you could raise the question of Patrick Kane. It doesn't matter that Patrick Kane is as good as Patrick Kane was. We all saw what Patrick Kane looked like last year. Trust me, some of us really saw what Patrick Kane looked like last year. And no, it was not Patrick Kane. So seeing Backstrom step away due to the health issues, uh, how he's looked since coming back from the same surgery, I I don't know if Patrick Kane is a guy that I want to add to my team. I mean, I can tell you this as a Rangers fan. I do not want him on the team just because I don't think there's a spot for him. Uh, but if yeah. but if I'm any other team that's like, oh man, this guy is going to be top six for me. I'm curious if this guy is even going to be able to play fourth line for me. Uh, like I said, if he wanted top six minutes, uh, <laughs> a place that could probably use him right now is Chicago. Uh, but the, uh, you know, there's been talk about the stars, the Panthers, the avalanche, the red wings. I I'm sure he'll end up somewhere at some point. Uh, it's just a cure, uh, question of who's going to have the space to do it. Uh, Buffalo is always mentioned in mm-hmm. the, in the discussion there, given that <coughs> it's his hometown. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think tonight in order to even <laughs> show that you might matter. Yeah, and and realistically, I just I I don't even know where he necessarily slots into that lineup if he unless he's going to play with Dylan Cousins on the third line or something like that. So it's a it's a tough situation to figure out for him. I feel like he, the I feel like the it's almost being approached like a 2012 era Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm is uh you know we'll just pick a team that'll make room for him and stuff like that but yeah i'm i'm very curious to see what he ends up signing for and then once he is signed uh what he ends up producing but he will probably be under the microscope either i i I am curious do you think he takes um you think he takes a league minimum contract uh and all of like the bonus money and stuff one of those like play 60 or it wouldn't even be 60 games, but you know, play uh, two thirds of the season or whatever it is, you know, two thirds of your season, make an extra couple million, get 30 points, extra couple million, make the playoffs. Yeah. That might be a decent way to do it because then if you have to pay out the bonuses, it just counts against next year's cap. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, if, if you're, uh, if he's looking at a team like Buffalo or Detroit or someone like that, that has a whole bunch of cap room, uh, they're not going to be competitive teams. Uh, and then on the same, you know, flip side of it, if he wants to look at Florida or Dallas or a team like that, like those teams are capped out. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I Even right now, like the, I don't think the stars have anyone on injured reserve and they only have like half a million in, in cap space right now. So they would need to figure something out uh, to even make that work. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go backwards from the way that I, since I threw out the cane thing and we talked backstrom and uh, looking at the rundown, I don't, I'd rather end on a positive note this week. Uh, Good idea. 
Let's talk uh, Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy, who got suspended four games for an illegal check to the head. Uh, Panthers defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, player safety made the announcement on Tuesday. What you need to know is that the incident occurred Monday's game, uh, 9-24 of the third period. He was assessed a match penalty and ejected from the game. McAvoy, he's about to forfeit uh, $197,000 plus under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. And he'll be able to return to play on November 11th against the Canadians while missing uh, the Bruins game uh, Thursday against the Maple Leafs. You probably have listened to this hopefully before then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a little, uh, that's a little blow to the Bruins, uh, but they're still, you know, that's still the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it, the, it was, it, it was a lot, this hit. It wasn't a, a kind of comes out of nowhere and almost just clips him, uh, with his elbow, it looks like. Yeah. So there's kind of seems like an a attempt to, to injure type of play yeah it, it it did seem like a very reckless yeah. play but yeah it's uh yeah four games is a lot but uh you know early in the year especially they always really want to set the tone for something mm-hmm. like this so we'll uh we'll, we'll I, I i feel like i haven't seen him do a ton of hits like that before no no it's the one thing i would say to his credit is i've never known him to be that kind of player and i don't have it in front of me i i can't recall if he's a first-time offender or not i would imagine with four games he's not a this is not his first but i would think so yeah but but it's but yeah for 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 a first-time offender especially is but but i do want to you know the four games as you say it's kind of a wow uh player safety once again kind of stepping in and and wield in some power here of nope this is uh we're, we're actually you know this isn't the old school way of guys were getting nothing when we expected them to at least get one yeah and i just pulled it up here he did get suspended yeah. once in the 2019 playoffs there you go uh for one game so okay not a huge history but a history nonetheless yeah. all right so but but yeah it's you know, a lot of times you see that it felt like last year even was very light on suspension. Oh God, yeah. But I, but I also feel like I didn't see a ton of hits that should have resulted in suspended suspensions, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 old the the thing you always hear Jeff Merrick say is if they mandated tomorrow that you had to be going 40 miles an hour to uh, to park your car, you'd figure out how to do it eventually, but uh, you would probably wreck a good number of cars along the mm-hmm. way. So uh, th- this is kind of the wrecking cars along the way part of it. Uh, so it, it potentially we're in an era where we see a lot less of this. God, I know there's been years where I feel like we saw someone suspended every other week for a really dangerous hit. So hopefully this is a sign that there's going to be less suspensions and uh, longer suspensions. That's, that's the goal. I mean, if you, if you actually like enforce the rules, man, uh, people will stop doing it and it'll, it'll make an impact. Four games will make an impact more than none or one 
and then allowing yeah, them to sure. protest it to zero. Um, all right, let's move on to the final two bits of notes I got. Uh, some players called it quits. Uh, let's start with the really quiet one that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, after putting up 822 points in 1,445 career regular season games over 17 seasons, Paul Stastny, 37-year-old forward, quietly called it quits. I I, I did totally forget that. And, and he was a player that over the last couple of years at Winnipeg and Carolina, I was like, oh, yeah, Paul Stastny's still in the league. Um, yeah, play, same. <laughs> yeah, played for Colorado for a while, played for St. Louis, played for uh, the first iteration of Vegas. Uh, so had a decently uh, long career, uh, was always he was he was always a really good like middle six piece. And especially yeah. when it came to like face offs and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I think we all just kind of forgot he would potentially even still be playing. So it's nice that he kind of brought it to our attention here yeah i love that he was like oh yeah i uh didn't file anything but i decided in early september that i was done like it's like oh well you 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 should probably <laughs> file something to start getting your pension it's, it's november man like you missed out yeah exactly you missed <laughs> out on a few months of that pension buddy way to go uh but i do gotta ask uh 822 points uh 1100 plus career games what 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 are your memories of paul stastny because like for me i think about you mentioned it a very reliable center a guy that you could throw out there a guy that was a solid player his entire career you know never was never was like the guy that we're going to talk about here in a minute but was very like very suitable a guy that uh, you know, if I was a GM, I would want a player like that to plug into like third line or fourth line and penalty kill and power play. Yeah, like when I play the Jersey game where you just try to picture a player uh, and I picture him as a blue for some reason, even though he spent a lot more time on the avalanche. But there was I think it was a lot of those perennial playoff teams that they had from 15, 16, 17 ish that uh, Paul Stastny always played a role for him. And like I said, he was never going to be your first-line center, uh, but just a really reliable player to have in your lineup. And if it was somebody that uh, – if Detroit ever ended up trading for him or something like that, I would have been excited for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always really liked him um, as, a, as a player. He always drove me up the wall watching him play the Rangers uh, – I know Islander fans are probably happy that he's gone uh, after last year. So, you know, but, but they, you know, I think Islander fans can attest to how I feel about him is pesky player. He was always a pesky player, not, not an easy play. Um, but the big news, the big retirement, uh, this one actually kind of sucked because I love this guy. Longtime San Jose shark and Boston Bruin. Joe Thornton officially retired from the NHL over the weekend. Uh, Jumbo Joe, 44, played 24 seasons with the Bruins, the Shocks, the Maple Leafs, the Panthers as well. Uh, selected in the 97 draft by the Bruins first overall. Recorded 430 goals, 1,109 assists, and 1,539 points 
1,714 career games. He won the Art Rose Trophy as the leader in points in the 05-06 season and the Hart Trophy as the league's most valuable player. First ballot Hall of Famer. Put him, put him, put him into Rods already. Uh, God, man, I loved Joe Thornton, and uh, it sucks that uh, his career is over. But man, what a career! And I'm curious, what do you think? Of what when? Wh- where do you think Joe Thornton? Do you think Bruin or do you think Shark? I think Shark. Okay. Mostly uh, because, like, my biggest Joe Thornton memory was watching like the first night of the year, uh, the Sharks and Danny Heatley gets a hat trick Mm -hmm. assisted by Joe Thornton and just thinking, oh crap, the Sharks are going to be really good this year. Uh, But, but yeah, uh, hands down, one of the best passers in the history of the game. Uh, Do you remember who he got traded for? Oh, not anybody memorable. If I recall. (laughs) Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, and Marco Sturm. Was Brad Stewart the key to that trade? <laughs> he may have been. Uh, <laughs> like we need we need fourth line depth. And Brad Stewart. There we go. That's gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. God. Imagine him playing with Tyler Sagan oh at gosh. some point. Because he he would have been around when yeah. uh, when Sagan was a rookie. Yeah, that could have been something. But but, what, but but one of the better players to go his career without winning the cup. For yeah, sure. he's that's that's the other thing. Kind of uh, it, it sucks when he ends up on like that Mount Rushmore of guys that you're like, I wish he got the cup because especially after he left the Sharks, when it was like it's over in San Jose, you, you know that playoff hope is over. Uh, the Maple Leafs move was interesting, but the Panthers won, you know, like I was kind of, I was really hoping he could get that cup. Uh, I would have loved to honestly have seen him go back to Boston to try and win that cup. Uh, something yeah. about that would have made me happy. Cause I feel like, so for me, I actually think of him uh, while, while his sharks memories, definitely outweigh the Bruin ones because of career wise. And I feel like the prime of his career was really sharks. I do always think Boston Bruin with him though, because of those early years, truly establishing himself. And I remember the trade being one of those, like they just gave him away. Like why the hell didn't, why, why couldn't the Rangers pull that off? Like I'm sure every team was saying that at the time of like, we had that, we had better than that to give away. And this is one of the best players in the game. Uh, and, and, and I wonder if I wonder if sending him far enough away to where he wouldn't be competing against them had something to do with that. I 100% believe that because you wouldn't want him. Obviously, you don't want him to go to any of the teams in their in their conference, and you don't want to give him to like the Devils, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Flyers, or any of them, or the Hurricanes, or anybody like that. So yeah, you, I, I imagine you'd want to put, give a player like that get him into a West Coast team. The only time you have to worry about him is the twice a year or when you face him in the cup final. Uh, and if that's the case, then, you know, great year. You're in the cup final. Uh, worry about it then. But I, I don't know. I, I loved Jumbo Joe. He was just, he just seemed like a guy that loved the game, loved playing it, and was just like the a fun teammate to have. Like he just always was seemed fun. 
And, and and we never got to see him with his four goal celebration. I know. I wish. I wish. I would have loved to have seen it whipped out. But uh, <laughs> look, Eddie. That's another. That's another reason I loved him. Like he had personality. You don't get that. You don't get that with stars as well. Yeah. You get. You yeah. get. You get. It suck. Like <laughs> you get. You get things like that where it's like Ovechkin's funny because. He speaks broken English. You know, Crosby's so plain Jane Canadian, no offense to the Canadian audience, but he is. He's just, oh, so happy. Uh, so, yeah. I, Connor Bernard seems like he's going to be the same way, Yeah, he does. He It seems that way, which sucks. Uh, so, yeah, I miss a guy that's like, if I score four goals, I'm going to whip it out on the ice. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> Let me go to FanDuel. Four goals. Yeah, and th- and that was that was controversy when that exactly. happened. When he said that, exactly, people didn't like it. And now I'm like, why don't we have more guys threatening to whip it out? Because uh, <laughs> that'll go over so that well time. in 2023 now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was. Oh man, and and I do have to say as well. Uh, I loved, I don't know if he even used the stick, but when I played hockey, if Joe Thornton's name was on the stick, I bought the fucking stick. <laughs> so there is a stretch I of, of time where I had four lefty sticks that were the Joe Thornton approved stick. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm Joe Thornton, baby. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this week. John had to actually run really quickly. So I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, you can give him a follow uh, on the X, uh, JT Evans, the number zero, and you can give me a follow as well on uh, X, uh, wonderful underscore radio. Uh, until next week, everybody. Bye. See ya. In the merry month of May, from me home I started, left the girls, a tomb was nearly broken, hard to loot it, father dear, and kiss me darling mother, drink a pint of beer, and tears of grief to smother enough to reap the corn, leave where I was born, cut to stop the thorn, a banished ghosts and goblins, brand new pair of brogues, rattling all the bugs, frightening all the dogs, on the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five, on the hair, a turn or down the rocky road, all the way to Dublin, whack for all the dogs.